Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The divorce didn't happen until I was in this journey of paying off my debt. So during that almost three years, I got married, went through an abusive marriage, then filed for a divorce in that process. So before I paid off my debt and right before I paid off my debt and was about to be debt free, actually, I ended up having to pay my abusive husband a settlement. So like <laughs> all this stuff, people think is like so linear, like you figure it out, you're on your way. And it's not like that. It's a lot of stops and restarts in the process. But I tell you, because I was in this process, of paying off my debt and taking control of my money, it made that financial hit from all the things that happened a lot easier to sustain and recover from. I think a lot of things tie into the mindset shift that happens when you start to take control of your money because yeah, stuff is going to come up, but it's how you're able to respond in those situations. Even though I had to pay for my divorce, I still was able to pay off nearly a million dollars in debt in under three years in spite of, not because of the things that I had. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. 
Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Nasima, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here because your story is absolutely incredible. You paid off almost a million dollars in about two years, and we're going to dive into the strategies that you have to share with folks about how they can start to tackle their debt. I think debt is something that is at a lot of people's minds right now, especially in this inflationary environment where we feel like every dollar is doing less. And so I think this is a really good time to have this conversation. So let's start off with you introducing yourself to the audience. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi. So first and foremost, I am a labor and delivery nurse. I'm a mom. When I started my financial journey, I created a platform called Financially Intentional. And the goal is to create more nurse and BIPOC millionaires because it's possible. We just have been gatekept for this information for so long. So I share my story, just encourage people to follow the path to financial freedom. I love that you mentioned that, you know, this information is gatekept because it really is. I don't know about you, but I didn't learn shit about money when I was growing up. And I'd be curious to know what your money story was growing up. What are some of the things that you saw? How do you think they shaped how you started to move with money as you became an adult? I grew up in West Oakland, raised by a single dad. We struggled. So money was something that was kind of hard to come by, but was never taught like how to properly manage money. I knew how to make money because basically that was the only way that I can get the things that I wanted because my dad was not about to pay for it. Like he was one of those kind of people like, here's $20 for the week for your lunch money, make it enough, you know? And so in order to get things that I wanted, I always had to hustle. So I was hustling since I was five years old, making money, but was never taught anything about money. And then I thought being rich or having a lot of money was for those other people because I was always like the one of two in an all white school or something. So it was like, that's for them. It's not for me. And so that's how, you know, I built my mindset around money. Yeah, I think that's absolutely relatable. It feeling like the conversation is for other people and not for us. I'm curious if your career in healthcare was shaped in any way by your desire to have money. Because I think a lot of black and brown folks think like the only way to get wealthy is to become a doctor or work in healthcare in some capacity, be a lawyer. Actually, no. For me, it was more or less like go to school and get a good job by any means necessary. Like that's how you make it. And so I was always that one that everybody knew was going to be successful, always got the good grade. I got into a good college, all of those kind of things. 
and to my family and friends, that equals making it. But it didn't factor in that I had $200,000 in student loans when I was done. It didn't factor in like, really, like, how much are you really making depending on your career when you get out of school? And so that's why you see like the number of educated Black women out there are great and is growing, but still our net worth like (laughs) is $10 because we have so much debt. And so we're not building wealth. And so I was just taught like make it by any means necessary, but because people don't understand what wealth truly is, like they don't factor in those costs and the opportunity cost of going to school versus starting working in a career and saving and investing and all of those kind of things are way past like what most people think about. So Yeah, none of that stuff factored into where I was at. Yeah, that's good to know. And it's important that we talk about the different perspectives of like how we end up in these places where we figure out that we weren't necessarily taught all the lessons that we needed to learn as adults. Because I got the same message. It's like, get the stable job, get the 401k, get the pension, you'll be good. That's what we do. And then there's no thinking beyond what that looks like. So I'm curious, as your career progressed and your personal life started to evolve as well. What were the things that were happening that were your first inclination that like something is not right financially? I had all the things, right? I had the house, the job, the car. I was making six figures for years, but I was hella broke and it just didn't make sense to me. And so I had to figure out why am I so broke? And also, you know, sometimes we don't do things for ourselves, but we'll do things for other people. So I had this child that was dependent on me. And I was like, if something were to happen to me, I don't have anything for her. I had to put myself in a position where I got in control of my money. And so that's where the tables turned for me. It was like, it's now or never. I can't be broke forever. And it started in my mid-30s. Okay. I've read a little bit about your story. You tackled bankruptcy, divorce. Even one of those things could be the thing that derails you financially. So first, how did you get to the place where that was your reality? And then how did you start to plan your escape from what could be a lifelong journey of struggle? My bankruptcy came, luckily, earlier in my 20s. So I did have some time to bounce back, but it came in a similar market like this. It was the early 2000s. I started buying houses because that's what people told me you do to build wealth. So I was getting my master's in healthcare administration. The next thing, like people was like, okay, we'll buy a house. So I bought a house and they were like, well, then you should start investing and buying these other houses. So I bought all these other houses. By the time I was 25, I had five houses, but then the market fell from underneath us. Nobody was paying their rent. I wasn't making a lot, enough money to cover the rent on a million dollars worth of houses. I went through that lesson, having to do two short sales, two foreclosures, ultimately having to file bankruptcy, did a career change <laughs> in that time period and went back to nursing school. The divorce didn't happen until I was in this journey of paying off my debt. So during that almost three years, I got married, went through an abusive marriage, then filed for a divorce in that process. So before I paid off my debt and right before I paid off my debt and was about to be debt free, actually, I ended up having to pay my abusive husband a settlement. So like (laughs) all this stuff, people think it's like so linear, like you figure it out, you're on your way. And it's not like that. It's a lot of stops and restarts in the process. But I tell you, because I was in this process, of paying off my debt and taking control of my money, it made that financial hit from 
from all the things that happen a lot easier to sustain and recover from. I think a lot of things tie into the mindset shift that happens when you start to take control of your money, because yeah, stuff is going to come up, but it's how you're able to respond in those situations. Even though I had to pay for my divorce, I still was able to pay off nearly a million dollars in debt in under three years, in spite of not because of the things that I had. Mm, that's super inspirational, right? Because I think it's such an important reminder that life is going to life and we're going to have to figure it out regardless. So it's like you're going to decide if the money's going to control you or if you're going to control it. So let's talk about the debt. So what did that debt actually consist of overall? Yeah, it was totally normal debt. So you think most people are like, well, how the hell are you getting a million dollars in debt, right? <laughs> First of all, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so that debt did consist of my house. And yeah, did I sell my house just and just house. pay off all my debt? <laughs> yeah, that's just a half a house now. It's like, it's like, did I sell that house and just pay off all my debt? No. What happened is, is that I had $200,000 in student loans. I had a loan against my 403B to pay the down payment for my house. I had car loans. I had debt from my ex-husband, all of those things, totally normal debt. And towards the end, after I had like $50,000 worth of debt, which included paying my husband an IRS bill, which was one of my biggest mistakes. When I had like that debt left is when I sold my house because I mean, my house, it was filled with a whole bunch of traumas. I didn't want to live there. It wasn't about just paying off my debt. It was about a house is a house. Let me leave this place, start over. And so that accounted for the million dollars in debt. Got it. You essentially paid off this debt in three years? Under three years. That's an incredible amount of time to pay off even a tenth of that amount. But the fact that you were literally looking at almost seven figures worth of debt, I think is incredible. How do you first make the decision to tackle this instead of hide from it? Those types of numbers could just make you be like, you know what? This is going to be my life. I'm just going to yeah. have to accept it. <laughs> and that is a lot of people's reality, right? Because when I signed up for those loans, I was 18 years old. I couldn't even imagine those numbers. When I saw the numbers on my financial aid paperwork, I was like, eh, these aren't real to me. So I'm not really going to deal with it. And then like people have student loan debt. They tell you it's good debt, whatever. It wasn't until I started going through this process that I realized that something has to happen with this debt. Something has to happen with this $200,000 in student loans that I was paying $1,900 a month oh my in. God. I had to get real on who I owed and what I owed. And most people don't understand that. Most people don't even know how much they bring in home every day and really conceptualize that and see how it's broken down. And that's really why my platform is called Financially Intentional, because I had to be intentional about every debt that I had. I had to be intentional about every dollar that was coming in. And I had to be intentional about how I was spending that money. And so get real, like list out every single thing. And so I just listed everything out. Mm -hmm. So once you actually saw the numbers, how did you actually create your plan to tackle them? How did you prioritize what to pay off first? Did you start side hustling to make more money? Tell me like what you did. I was your avid fan of he who not must not be named. I started following his principles of zero-based budgeting and the debt snowball. So just listed off my debt. And actually, no, I did not increase my income during that time. Because like I said, during that time, I was going through an abusive marriage and being in and out of being a single mom. So I actually worked less during this time. Ironically, what changed was that every single dollar that I 
got in using zero-based budgeting, I gave in an assignment and I prioritized my debt payoff. I was like, listen, I am going to be debt-free by my 36th birthday, no matter what. And if I'm going to be debt-free by my 36th birthday, this is how much money I need to put towards my debt. And when I created my budget, that's what I prioritized instead of what most people do. I know I need to pay off this amount of month and they say, like, leave it till the end of the month. No, that's the first thing that I prioritized and I just did the rest of my money around it. And so just by zero-based budgeting and using the debt snowball, I was able to just attack my debt. And because that was a goal, I hit it or surpassed it every single month. Yeah, I think it's such an important reminder that when you get out of autopilot and you really start being intentional, things happen much more quickly. I know with my own journey in tackling student loans for the first almost 10 years, I was kind of just like, well, whatever, everybody has student loans, so we're just going to have to live with it. And then I found out about the financial independence movement and I was like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me if I get rid of this shit, I can stop working? That is a goal. Finding something beyond just like, I want to get out of debt. There has to be a why. How did you stay motivated? Because it's not easy to stay on the path of discipline that's going to get you to this place. My why was totally my daughter. I knew that if I could get these values down and instill them into her, she would be unstoppable. These kids need to know that, know these financial principles because we weren't taught that. So I'm going to take responsibility and change that for our generation. And that's really who my platform was for. My platform formed for me, my friends, and our girls because I wanted to share the principles with them, but I didn't feel like repeating myself. So I was like, hey, if I create this, little social media page where you guys follow it and just listen to it. I'll post what I'm learning on here. That's what it was all about. It definitely has to be a strong why to keep you going because it is not easy. <laughs> in hindsight, it's like, oh my God, this is an incredible feat. But let me tell you, when I was going through it, I was going through it. So yeah, I needed to do it though for my daughter. I needed to do it for my friend's daughter. And now it's so much bigger than me because I see the impact that it has on our people and what we can do to change the things systemically that have held us back for so long. Absolutely. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., 
and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. So I'm curious what you say to the critics who are like, oh, well, she just did this because she sold her house and she lives in a really expensive area. What do you have to say to those people? They're not my people, so I don't really care. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it's always going to be haters. You ain't doing something right unless you got haters. So you're not my people. You're not the ones that I'm trying to help. I don't care. I address it. And like I said, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. Look at the numbers. Look at what I did. It's all documented. Thank God for Instagram and the fact that I have had this page since 2016. You want some receipts? Scroll through, boo. I share all my information. I'm transparent. At the end of the day, like I said, if they really want to know they can figure it out in the back end but most of the time they're just being haters anyway so that's it doesn't true phase me. it's always the people who are talking the most that are doing the least we have a very similar story in that sense that i purchased a home back right around when i started learning about financial independence and that was another light bulb moment that i'm like wait a minute i don't want to be in almost half a million dollars worth of debt and then be stuck in a job that I don't want to work because I got to pay this damn house. I owned it for less than three years. We lost money when we sold it. But for me, it was like worth it. It got such a big load off of my back because now I didn't owe this multiple six-figure debt. At the end of the day, I honestly don't believe in the whole good debt, bad debt shit. I think that's a gimmick that is propagated by some people who make money off of convincing us that we're doing the right thing. But I don't think there's any type of freedom that I personally experienced that is like not owing anybody money. And just giving yourself permission to like question the status quo about what we're told is responsible adulting, I think is really important. Yep, I totally agree with that. For me, if it's something that everybody mainstream is doing, I typically question it because everybody is broke. When everybody is like, oh, should I buy AMC and games? Relax, that's so stupid. Don't ever follow those trends. If you see that something is trending and everybody is doing it or everybody is like saying, buy a house, it's the American dream. Like these are the scams we're sold into because capitalism, we gotta have poor people in order for the system to work. And so you you have to create a mindset to question all of those things because if everybody is doing it, that's normal and normal is broke. And I don't want to be broke. My kids ain't going to be broke. You're not about to do those things. I think people need to start questioning. Like, why am I doing these things? Am I doing these things because they actually make sense or I'm doing them because somebody told me I need to do it or that's the norm. And then look at those people and see where they at. You want to be like that? And not the Instagram version of their lives, like the real life version of their lives. You need to know because they're not the same. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> All right, let's talk about now that you have become debt-free and you've actually been able to build your net worth to six figures. What has that process been like for you? Like, how did you start to educate yourself on what wealth building actually is? This was one of the things I'm telling you, like, I feel like this is how I know we were gay kept because the shit is so fucking easy. And it's just like, what? People didn't tell me it was this easy, number one, to make money, then to build wealth, and that I don't have to work for the rest of my life. I did not discover like the financial independence movement until I was like at the tail end of paying off all my debt. By that time, I had built those muscles. I had built that discipline so that whatever financial goal I wanted to meet, I could. I was just like, bet. 
So I just got to start investing aggressively and investing looks this easy. Now I understand what I'm actually invested in and paying in fees. And you mean to tell me I've been paying these people to do this basic ass shit for me and I can do it better and cheaper and make money faster? That's what I'm about to do. And so I'll tell you like the one book that really changed my perspective on investing because after losing all those houses and having to file bankruptcy, I was nervous about investing and I had real cause to it, right? I had to reset my whole life. But the one book that changed everything for me was J.L. Collins' Simple Path to Wealth. And when he broke it down like that, I don't understand how we aren't taught this because I share these concepts with my three and eight-year-olds and they get it. They can understand it and they can repeat it back to people. And people think my kids are geniuses. And I'm just like, they are not. It's basic information. But we just want to taught this. Once I figured out how to invest and that is hella simple and that I could actually read these prospectuses because it doesn't seem overwhelming because they send you like 50 million pages with Bible font, with the thin papers, like to make it seem intimidating, it's actually not once you understand what it is. And so I just started investing aggressively, put that same rigor that I had in paying off my debt into stacking money and it just happened. I literally was in debt and now my net worth is almost at a million dollars. And just because I just understood these basic concepts. Yeah. It's incredible. I always tell people you're always one decision away from like a completely different life. And when you start to compound those decisions, they compound like investments. It's like one thing leads to another. Exactly. The aggregation of marginal gains. Mm. Those little things that you can do every day are so much bigger than that like one big decision that you think you have to make or that one raise that you think you're going to have to get before you can start working on your financial goals. Just do the little things every single day. Yeah. Let's talk about Financially Intentional, how that came to be and how it started versus now what you do. I literally just created this platform for me and my friends to have a place to go to talk about money. Once I started sharing my story, people were like, whoa, this is crazy. And so I started getting picked up by podcasts and other media sources because these numbers were freaking crazy. And so I started sharing my story and then it evolved into people like, can you help me? I'm like, I can't really help you. I'm just, you know, (laughs) I'm learning myself, but like always trying to just pour back in and share what I learned on the platform. And then a couple of years ago, I started to create like little courses and things to kind of formalize that training and have something for people to buy and use as a tool because that's what people were asking for. And so it has evolved into that and I'm still continuing to grow that side of the platform, but really is just about putting the information out there because I know that we need to look at things differently and the personal finance industry as a whole, and it's definitely changing now with people like us, but as a whole is hella stale and hella whack. And I need to be able to break down concepts that are really actually just basic concepts, but have been overcomplicated for so long for us to understand. Like people need to hear it from somebody who they can relate to in order to process things sometimes. That's my goal. Like I'm gonna break it down for the people in a way that's hella simple. Yeah, I think that it's such an important reminder that the message doesn't go through unless you relate with the messenger. Because when I first found out about the financial independence movement, I was like, that's just a bunch of white dudes in Silicon Valley working like tech jobs who are living off of $30,000 and making $300,000. And they have no student loan debt. They come from families that already have money. So they're already getting a leg up. So I'm like, clearly that shit's not for me. But then I found Jamila Soufran's podcast, Journey to Launch. And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. There's a black woman talking about 
about this. Wait a minute. Maybe this is something that I can do too. And so it's really important for us to show up when we have this information because the financial institutions and like mainstream media doesn't give a shit about educating us. Like you said, this country relies on working class people to keep the economy going. And if too many of us figure this out, it's going to be a problem, I think. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is that we leave it. We be out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm done with corporate as yeah, far as I'm concerned. I, I, girl, listen, <laughs> if I didn't have all these baby daddies, I'd be gone too, okay? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so tell me about why you think it's more important than ever for healthcare workers to be thinking about their exit strategy. Because I know there's a lot of talk of burnout, especially after this pandemic. And I'm curious if you have been hearing folks questioning whether this is a sustainable career, like from a physical and mental health standpoint for the long term, because it just looks like y'all are being asked to do a lot for a little. It's horrible. And we saw it a lot during the pandemic. I feel like basically healthcare workers need to be financially independent, not just to be able to exit, but to be able to be the best healthcare providers they can be. If you got that FU money and you're not really tripping off of your job, you can show up as the advocate that you need to be. And that's what happened to me. So right after I paid off all that debt, after I sold my house, I moved and transferred to a different hospital. And the stuff that I saw happening to Black women in labor was crazy. But I was in a financial position that I didn't have to work there. And so I feel like that empowered me more than all my other coworkers who saw the stuff, but just didn't feel like they could say or do anything to speak up. And so that's why I really advocate for financial independence, because you can speak up and you can bounce when you want to. And you don't have to worry about these systems. So it's bigger than just the burnout factor, which yes, a lot of nurses are burnt out and are leaving the profession in droves. But when you can have the money to actually stay in the profession, because a lot of people love what they do. They didn't enter this to just bounce and get the money and bounce. That's not why they became healthcare providers. They became healthcare providers because they're truly caring and giving people and they really want to help people. But the way that these systems are set up is set up for these healthcare organizations to make money and not really to be there for the patients. And I'm still committed to what I'm doing because the rates of Black morbidity and mortality are so high. I feel like if I walked away, I am leaving a big hole and I am all just contributing to that problem. So I get on my employer's nerves. Like my bosses hate me because I speak the fuck up. I'm not about to let nothing happen to my patient. I'm not about to let nothing happen to my coworkers. That's just how I am at any cost. Because at the end of the day, what you going to do? Fire me? <laughs> right. <laughs> I ain't scared. And so that's why I feel like healthcare workers have an obligation to become financially independent because we can show up fully as the providers that we need to be. I absolutely love that mindset. I think it's so powerful. And I think that's why we need wealth in the hands of black and brown women, period, because we can change the world when we're not surviving, when we're thriving. And you know what? Wealth transfer is going to happen in the next couple of years where women are going to be the holders of the greatest wealth in the world. And what happens is, is that women invest in things that actually provide value. Just like when women are educated, we educate more people. Things are going to shift, but we have to stand in that power and we have to understand the power that we have. We have the power to change the world, but we have to embrace it and know how to do it when that time comes. Because it's in our lifetime that is going to shift. What are we going to do with it? 
Absolutely powerful. For someone who is at the beginning of that journey, debt payoff, they're like, Nasima, I am so overwhelmed. Girl, help me. Give me one thing that I could do right now today to get me on the path to financial freedom. I think that people need to change their circle of influence. People need to understand what's possible for them by seeing examples of things of people who have done it, who they can relate to, who look like them. So you need to be following the Yo Quiero Dinero platform, everything that she does. You need to be following the Jamila Souffrance, the Bola Sucumbes, all those people, the rich and regulars, all the people in this space that look like us that are actually doing it because that makes it possible for you. So I always tell people, curate your social media to people you aspire to that are actually doing the things that you want to achieve. And nine times out of 10, you're going to achieve those things because you've made it possible for you. The next thing is don't listen to music in your car. Don't listen to music while you're, you know, cleaning up or running errands. Listen to podcasts. I consumed thousands of hours of personal finance podcasts until I understood those concepts and can repeat them back to my kids in a way that they can understand it. And that became my norm. Like we said earlier, take one action. And one action today is to list off every debt that you owe. Do that. Tomorrow, if it's to list out what you're actually bringing in and to set a goal of like how much debt you can pay off or how much you can start investing, do that thing, but take those small actions. Stop trying to wait for some windfall or something that ain't gonna happen. You have full control over your life, but people are so often waiting for these outside things to change in order for them to take action. Like stop playing yourself, take action today. And you can see I'm really passionate about it because it annoys the hell out of me. I am here for it. (laughs) Y'all need to stop playing. I'm tired of the games. Absolutely. Nasima, I know folks are going to want to find out so much more about you, your platform. So tell us where we can find you, what you're up to, and how folks can work with you. So I'm at Financially Intentional. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Financially Intentional. There's financiallyintentional.com. Whatever I am doing is always going to be in the link in my bio or prominent on my website. So make sure you follow me there. I always have something for the people. So if you want to work with me, there is always going to be a way to do that through the link in my bio. Just some exciting stuff coming up, especially for next year. We're going on a trip with my community. So I'm just inspired to keep on spreading the good word. I'm always accessible on those platforms. So hit me up. I love it. And I saw you going to Costa Rica to go and preach the gospel of wealth and luxury. I'm here for it. <laughs> I I love luxury. Like, and so that's the whole other thing, right? It's not about deprivation. It's about doing the things that you love and the things that spark joy with you because you will never continue on this journey if you have a deprivation mindset. Absolutely. And I think especially as women of color, we deserve some damn rest and luxury. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Facts. Nasima, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate all of your wisdom, your energy, and your passion for helping us move forward as a community. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.